You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell. And today we have a lot to talk about because the Colts lost another close game on Monday night to the Steelers. We're going to recap their loss, discuss the takeaways from the game, and take a look at where the Colts stand, both in terms of their unlikely playoff chances and also the draft order as more and more fans kind of set their sights towards April's draft. But before we get into it here, Mike, how are you doing? Doing fine. How about you, Joe? Not bad. How late were you up last night? Got to bed about 2 o'clock. 2 so, o'clock, so. got your story sent in. And, uh, and it, it, it's one of those where I almost feel like I could send in the story from, I don't know, Philadelphia or Washington or any other story where they just do just enough to lose. They just find interesting ways to lose. Yes, yes, interesting is the way we'll put it. Uh, let's go ahead and get to this game recap. The 4-6-1 and one Colts hosting the 3-7 and seven Steelers on Monday Night Football in Indianapolis. Still no quitty pay in this one, so the Colts without their young, talented defensive end. Pittsburgh starts with the ball, and the Steelers are able to pick up some first downs. A heavy dose of Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris get the Steelers into Colts' territory. But offensive holding sets Pittsburgh back, and the Colts hold them to a field goal, 3 to nothing early. Colts' offense got off to about as bad a start as possible in this one. Second play of the game, Matt Ryan throws an interception. It was a late throw, kind of across his body to Pittman. Two wide receivers in the same area, and Doolin's man comes off of him and jumps over to uh, get in front of Pittman and pick that one off. Great play by the defender, but uh, equally bad offense by the Colts. Pittsburgh's drive starting at the 38 after the turnover. Indianapolis's 38, that is. The Steelers reached the 24-yard line. But two Yannick Ngakwe sacks knock them back out of field goal range, and Pittsburgh punts into the end zone for a touchback. No points off of the turnover. Colts go three and out on their next two drives as the passing game can do nothing. Mike, the offense was hard to watch last night. Yeah, and it's one of those where you know they always take lack of rhythm or continuity, and when you're not pushing the ball down the field, which they early they weren't. I mean, there was the the, the DBs were just squatting on routes and they weren't letting in any separation. And when you're not converting third downs, you, you get quick series. And, you know, you mentioned Matt Ryan throws the interception on the second play, almost through on the first play because they almost got on the first play. So it's just baffling how they can come out and play so poorly. We'll go over the numbers as this goes on, but they had like, what was it, zero yards in the first quarter? So it's just – it's. Against bad teams, it's hard to win like that, and it, it only got worse before halftime. And meanwhile, Pittsburgh scores on back-to-back drives. The first drive, Steelers take advantage of good field position and doink in a 52-yard field goal. The second drive, Pittsburgh goes 79 yards on 10 plays. The drive started with a jaw-dropping 35-yard catch by the talented rookie wide receiver George Pickens and ended with a six-yard touchdown run by Najee Harris. It's 13-0 halfway through the second quarter. The Colts finally, at this point, are able to put some points on their board on the board during their fourth drive. Jonathan Taylor did the heavy lifting. He accounted for 30 of the drive's 42 yards. 
But on third and four, Matt Ryan can't find anyone open and throws at Mo Alley Cox's feet. The Colts ask a 51-yard field goal of Chase McLaughlin, and he connects. Uh, that finally gets the Colts at 13-3 with three minutes and 48 seconds left in the half. But the defense gives up another long drive. Uh, Pittsburgh dinks and dunks their way to the Colts' seven-yard line, and that's as far as they would go. Pittsburgh settles for a short field goal to make it 16-3. to Mike, were you surprised that the Colts gave up so many points in the first half to the 28th-ranked scoring team? Yeah, it's, it's one of those where you try to give the defense its, its props for how well they've kept Colts the, 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 the team in games. And then you look at against against Pittsburgh again. There wasn't much of a pass rush, and Gokbar got his two sacks. But by and large, there wasn't a lot of pressure. They used the, the short passing game, and boy, when it came time for Pickett to make a couple of throws, he made them. Yeah, it, it was. It's. It's. They. I don't know whether the defense is wearing down, not having Tyquan Lewis, not having Quiddy Pay. It's just asking a lot, and to, like you said, against a, a very very poor offense similar to their own. The trail 16 to three. It was just disheartening. I'd like to have had uh, a bit of fly on the wall in, in the halftime for, for Jeff Saturday's talk, and apparently Zaire Franklin gave him an earful as well. Yeah, before we get to halftime, though, there's still 56 seconds left. The Colts have two timeouts. A great return by Isaiah Rogers sets him up at the 41. Uh, that that was one bright spot for the Colts in this game was their kickoff. Uh, teams did a great job. The Colts are able to reach Pittsburgh's 41-yard line with a few short passes. Three seconds left. They trot out McLaughlin again for a 59-yard field goal. This would have been a career high, but it doesn't even have a chance. Blocked by the Steelers. Mike, they can't keep asking McLaughlin to hit from 50-plus. But, but they do. <laughs> he, he's 6-for-9 from 50-plus now, which is ridic- which is great for him, but ridiculous that you do that. And, uh, yeah, I uh, – it, it just shows you where this offense is, is is when you, you think a 50-yard attempt is, is a good scoring opportunity or a good option. I realize it's the end of the half, but, he, you know, he, he's done his job. Unfortunately, they've asked him to do his job from long distance, and you just can't keep that up. Colts get the ball to start the second half, and the undrafted rookie free agent Dallas Flowers gives Indy a spark. He fields the kickoff from deep in his own end zone and returns it 89 yards. That sets the Colts up at the 19-yard line. A couple of JT runs, puts the Colts in a third and one. Matt Ryan finds Paris Campbell for the first down. The very next play, Taylor punches it in from two yards out. The extra point is good. We have a one-score ball game, 16-10. to 10. Momentum stays with Indianapolis as the Colts come up with a run stuff on third and one to force a three and out. And Indy rides that momentum into a 16-play, 81-yard drive. It included a lot of Jonathan Taylor. It included a lot of the rookie tight end Jelani Woods. A successful fourth and two quarterback sneak by Ryan. A Pittsburgh offsides penalty on a field goal that gave the Colts fresh downs. And a third down pass interference that gave the Colts a first and goal at the one. Then, with a chance to take the lead, Ryan and Taylor fumble the handoff exchange. Ryan tries to dive on it, but it's ripped away by the defender. A prime opportunity squandered. It's officially tallied as a Matt Ryan fumble. 
Ryan is tied for the league lead with 13 on the year. Mike, I couldn't really tell who was at fault on that play. What was your take on that one? Well, Dave Griffiths mentioned on a tweet that NFL rules are if there's not a completed handoff, it goes with the quarterback. But, boy, it looked like Ryan did what he was supposed to. Maybe it was a little high, a shade high, but the running back simply has to look it in and get the ball. It wasn't like he bobbled it. It wasn't something like that. So I thought that was on Taylor. I just did. And since since we can say what we want, I suppose, from what we saw, that's four fumbles by JT this year, and they've all been just crippling, none more so than this. I realize they, they came back and scored a little bit later, but first and goal to one with so many things that happened to get you there with the, the, the offsides on a, on a made field goal and the DPI. It, 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 again, it's like, what, what, what now? What, what can they do wrong now? And as, as much abuse as Matt Ryan has taken this year, and rightly so, with the fumbles and now the was it 10 interceptions, I just think that was on JT. And they were able to recover, but that's seven points that they just didn't get. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's hard to win when even your best players are making crippling mistakes like that. But the defense would pick up the slack after the offense's second turnover and force a three and out. Fair catch made near midfield. Jelani Woods' career day continues with catches of 16 and 28 yards on this next drive. That puts Indy uh, up with first and goal at the seven. Second down, Ryan throws a fade to Pittman, who makes a nice adjustment on the football and comes down with it for the touchdown. The Colts score 14 in the third quarter to take the lead 17 to 16. But Pittsburgh would respond. You know, Joe, Pick- and, 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 go ahead, go ahead. And, and, and that's where you want to give the defense. They got smoked in the first half, two hundred thirty-two yards, whatever it was. Third quarter, they dominated, and here you get the lead, seventeen sixteen. And this is when a good defense just slams the door. Not slams the door, but but but, but sustains the lead and gives the offense a chance to build on it instead. And we've seen this a couple times this year. It just gets gashed on a long drive. It sure did uh, because the Steelers, they had an opportunity early in the drive. They had Kenny Pickett in a third and nine. They gave him time, and he was able to connect with Pickens for 13. Then a questionable, or at least I thought it was questionable, roughing the passer call on EJ Speed, tacks 15 more yards onto that. And just like that, the Steelers are in Colts' territory. The Colts have another chance for a stop on third and six, but the tight end Pat Fryermuth beat Kenny Moore on the route, picks up 17 yards to set the Steelers up with the first and goal at the three. The Colts force it to third down, but they can't stop a shotgun handoff to Benny Snell. He runs it in off the left side for a touchdown. Pittsburgh goes to two to make it a seven-point game. Pickett scrambles to his right and finds Pickens. Steelers retake the lead 24-17 to with 10 minutes left. It's time for the Colts to respond, but instead they go three and out. Ryan's sack on second down puts them behind the chains, and the Colts have to punt it away. Defense needs a stop. Pittsburgh is nearing midfield. But the Colts bring a cornerback blitz on second down. Tony Brown, who is in for Kenny Moore, who got injured on the previous drive, gets to pick it to finish off the sack. Indianapolis holds on third down, and they get the ball back to the offense. 
The punt is down at the seven. It's do or die time for Matt Ryan and the Colts. They have 95 yards to go, three minutes and 52 seconds left, and all three timeouts available. The drive starts with a big play. Ryan heaves a jump ball down the middle of the field to Pittman, who comes down with it. Terrific catch. It's about time they gave their six foot four, 220-pound wide receiver a jump ball opportunity. Gain of 28 on the play. A couple plays later, Ryan connects with Jelani Woods again for 17. The Colts are across midfield. Four-yard gain on the ground with Taylor. Then, Ryan goes deep to Pierce, who fails to haul in a contested catch. There were defenders all around him, but he had a chance, and it looked like the ball hit him in the chest. Third and six now, short pass to Pittman, gains three. We're looking at a fourth down. Ryan goes back to Pittman. It's tipped at the line of scrimmage. But somehow the ball still gets to the wide receiver. He catches it for a first down at Pittsburgh's 33. There's a minute and a half left. Then Ryan is sacked by Alex Highsmith, who got right by Bernhard Ryman. Fumble, because, you know, why wouldn't Ryan fumble? The guard, Will Fries, falls on it. The Colts, for some reason, do not call a timeout. Instead, they hurry to the line. Ryan pumps, takes off running for what he thinks is a first down, but he dives a little short of the marker. It's a gain of 17. Still no more. No timeout is taken. Clock ticks down. They hand it off to Taylor. Highsmith blows it up in the backfield. Finally, the Colts take a timeout with just 30 seconds left. We have a fourth down in three. Matt Ryan Cannot find anyone open. He lobs a desperation pass down the left sideline to Paris Campbell. A lot of contact, no call, no catch. Incompletion ends the game. We have a final score of 27 to 17. Mike, there's a lot happening on that final drive. What are your thoughts? Yeah, a lot of a lot of things had to happen to get to where they were. What was it? First and ten at the 33 with a minute 35 to go. And a lot was made and will be made about the clock management. And Jeff Saturday's response was, we didn't think we were really pushing the clock. We thought we had plenty of time. That's why they didn't do the timeouts. Were they not looking at the clock? I, How do you I don't not... know. Yeah, I, 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 I see why they weren't like in, in hurry-up mode. But take a timeout after one of those plays. Just kind of gather yourself. And you're not going to leave. You know, at, at most you're going to leave Pittsburgh – 20 seconds on the clock if you score. But it's not like they were down at the inside the 15 or the 10-yard line. They were still at the 30-yard line, you know, 30-plus yard line. So, yeah, I, I I don't think it cost them the game, but I just didn't understand why why you don't use them because, you know, you take them home with you. You know, good for you. But I, I just thought they could have done a better job of, of, of maintaining time on the clock. Let's say that the, the, the completion – the, the fourth down completion to Campbell happens. Well, then you've got what? Uh, you got 30 seconds to play, less than 30 seconds to play. So then Less than that. I think it was snapped with 30 it was seconds. Snapped. It would have been like 20 seconds. Right. So, so all of a sudden, time is a factor. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to pound them too much on that, but use your timeouts and give yourself, because look at what had to happen on that drive to get to where they were. You know the, the the deep ball, the deep jump ball to Pittman, and the tip ball to Pittman. So you had, you were already scrambling, and, and things had to happen. So just give yourself more time. You know, of all the things that happened, that's semi high on the list. 
But to fall behind and then to fumble, again, this team, the, the sacks, the last the last two negative plays, I mean, Bernard Ryman just gets smoked by Highsmith. And then on, on the third down run to Taylor, Highsmith just sh- sheds Jelani Woods. Well, he's not a blocker. That, that's one thing where they're, 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 they're sort of at a bad place with their roster not having enough blocking tight ends. Uh, but it's it, it comes down to, I don't want to say good teams find ways to win because Pittsburgh's not a good team. But bad teams find find ways to lose, and this team found four or five ways to lose, and you know they, they've they've lost their last three at home by one, one, and seven. It's because you don't make plays when it matters. Yeah, I, I, I didn't make plays when it matters, and like we said, they they didn't pick up the first down anyway, so time ended up not being what killed them on that drive. But it easily could have been. I don't understand not calling a timeout after Matt Ryan runs for 17 yards. You're down to about 48 seconds. Save some time. You're still, you know, what, 30, 25 yards away from the end zone. Uh, If you use your timeouts better throughout the drive, maybe you take one after Pittman picks up a first down. You can still run the ball with Taylor, and you have more options available to you. I'm not sure why you think, you know, just pure dropback mode with Matt Ryan is going to get it done uh, when they the Colts haven't shown the ability to really do that all game long. So I think, you know, that was the first time we really saw Jeff Saturday as head coach kind of uh, a glaring in- mistake, a glaring misjudgment, I guess we'll call it. It didn't end up being what, what lost the game for them, but it's something that I'm sure he's going to go back and go, okay, next time we're in this situation – Maybe I take a timeout here. I, I at very least take a timeout with 48 seconds left. Like that was kind of the obvious one where even the uh, play-by-play guys, I think Aikman was like, okay, you got to call a timeout here, right? And they just let 15 more seconds go off the clock. So disappointing into the game. Um, we'll talk a lot more about um, some of the takeaways in just a moment. But first, need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 35% off your windows through December 15th. Hometown Windows and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with that hometown feel. Visit them at hometownwindowteam.com today. All right, Mike, let's get into these takeaways. The offense got off to an embarrassingly slow start. They had zero yards on their first five plays, just 71 in the first half. And when you don't get yards, it's hard to get points. They had just three points at halftime per ESPN stats and info. The Colts completed their first pass of the game at the 7.05 mark in the second quarter. That is the latest in a game for a team's first completion since 2020 when the Denver Broncos were forced to start wide receiver Kendall Hinton at quarterback because COVID ran through their quarterback room and they didn't have an actual quarterback still on the roster. Not only that, but the Colts now have the two longest droughts to start a game without a completion the second longest was week nine first new england 
when they lasted until the 741 mark in the second quarter. Um, Ellinger got the start in that one. Mike, I mean, it, it's it's hard to – I get, you know, maybe not scoring on your first drive or two, but to be consistently that bad so deep into the ball game, what do you think held this offense back from being able to get something going? It's easy to put on the, the offensive line and the protection, but – but you can you still got to find ways to to hit those seven yard slants or outs and move the chains and a screen whatever I don't know it's broken there's no question it's broken you know they made a game of it primarily with the third quarter and that's it I mean the the, the two drives three drives one with a fumble in the third quarter but you just we, we just harp on this and harp on this you can't play NFL. 2022 with this kind of an offense it just doesn't you, you you've got to show something and in converting third downs it's like whenever they get into third down that's when the pressure comes and a couple of times he's he's dirting the ball because the pressure's in his face or, or they're again they're squatting on the receivers and not giving them really a chance uh t- to make the catch it's just broken i it's it, it, i guess we don't need to complicate it too much but the fact that they've got the two longest stretches this year without a completion, and, and you know, one was Sam Ellinger, so we can give him, you know, that was what his first start, I believe, in New England, if I'm not mistaken. I think he started in Washington. Okay, okay, that, the Washington correct. game first. So, so it, it's just, it, it's you, you want to sort of say it's not all on Ryan, but he, he's such a part of this, and it looks at times. Like and I understand it that that he is feeling the pressure sometimes when it's not there sometimes when it certainly is there, but what's crazy and I haven't checked all of your takeaways, the only what we heard about during the game was the fullback. They did, Braden Smith did a great job on T.J. Watt and it didn't matter because Highsmith blew the game up late from from his side. Yeah, I will say earlier in the year. We were all we'll we'll stick with the word Dave's word baffled because that's the best word to describe this season. We're all baffled that the offensive line was playing so poorly, mostly because it was the whole line. Braden Smith wasn't playing well, Ryan Kelly wasn't playing well, um, the all world guard, Quentin Nelson Ryan wasn't playing well. I feel like those three guys have kind of gotten it together a little bit. They've played well the last few games, especially since Jeff Saturday came in. But it's still so glaring the deficiencies at Guard, right guard, and left tackle. You know, Fry's actually, you know, I don't think they mentioned his name once last night, so I'm not going to harp on him from the Pittsburgh game. Recovered a fumble. Recovered a fumble. So, you know, that was was his highlight of the day. Um, But Ryman, who we've discussed it week after week, was not supposed to be out there yet seeing game time. This was supposed to be, for some reason, the Colts were supremely confident in Matt Pryor and we saw why this guy lasted despite his athletic traits still late in the third round because he wasn't quite ready to contribute right away, and we're seeing that. Um, let's go ahead and move to the second takeaway here. Turnovers and sacks keep killing this team. Three more sacks brings the Colts to a league-high 43 on the year. The sack Ryman allowed on that final drive really hurt. Per pro football focus, Ryman has now allowed Five sacks on 376 snaps. 
Um, I, I, I get it. He's young. He's raw. We knew, we knew that. The Colts knew that. The whole league knew that during the draft. That's why he went when he did. But it's, uh, it's going to be difficult to win games when your left tackle um, is, is, we'll just call it inconsistent, so inconsistent, because there are plays where they did give Matt Ryan good protection, and, and Ryman was a part of that. But he has those game-changing four or five plays per game where he just gets blown up or has a penalty, and it just completely holds this offense back. Well, in two words, Micah Parson. You know, Sunday night on national TV, it's going to be Micah Parsons, who, who is just a freak. So, you know, I want to see how long Jeff Saturday sticks with this growing pains at left tackle. If you, if you remember early in the season when Matt Pryor proved to be not the guy, Frank Reich said they're going to go with Bernard Ryman because, you know, he's got to learn, he's got to play. That lasted about two games, a game and a half probably, Denver and half of the next game. So we'll see. I understand. I totally understand growing pains and learning and all that. But when the mistakes are getting you beat, and and again, they they probably would have lost anyway. Forget the sack. Maybe they don't get in the end zone anyway. But the the sacks from the blind side are just – crippling this team so I want to see their tolerance will they really finish the season with a rookie at left tackle I don't know Dennis Kelly went in that stretch and played okay I mean that's kind of like what our standard is at left tackle now are you okay I want to see how long they stick with the left the rookie left tackle the thing that after a while if you're not seeing week to week improvement I get it he's not gonna go from I'll call it deficient to, you know, Pro Bowl level over the course of the season. But if he's not showing week-to-week improvement, how long do the Colts stick with him until they go, okay, this guy just needs to work on things during the offseason. Let's just get him out of here before we get our quarterback killed. Uh, Let him work on things, and maybe he'll be better going into year two. Or maybe, you know, there's no guarantee he's the answer at all. I mean, he he, – very few franchise left tackles are drafted in the third round. We we talk about it every offseason how 20 or more of the starting left tackles in the NFL were drafted in the first round. It's because finding human beings that big and that agile uh, to be able to block these freaks coming off the edge is very hard. And so the chances that the Colts found a diamond in the rough uh, in the late third round with Ryman are pretty slim. You got to give him a chance to see what you got, but we'll see the tolerance level of uh, that coaching staff. Uh, I will say their tolerance level for Chris Strauss is pretty high because he's still the offensive line coach. You know, and with Ryman, maybe what we're going to find out is he's the right guard. I, I mean, I don't know. But as we both said, how long do you stick with it when – when it's not working, yes, he's he's young. He's played what less than two years. I don't know, eighteen games at in college at, at, at tackle offensive line. But at some point, it's always put your best five on the line, put your best eleven on offense. And right now, they're not doing that. They're they're just not. Uh, again, would Dennis Kelly be a better option? Probably. 
And then what that's doing is you're not getting any more info on Bernhard Ryman, but maybe maybe you've got enough. I don't know. Maybe you've got enough information to say we know what he's not. We know he's not our, our for sure left tackle. So I it, it's let's see how they do this. And, you know, Jeff Sari was asked last night, or maybe it was early this morning, about whether Matt Ryan was his quarterback, or you know, have you seen another? And Jeff Saturday said, "Yes, he, he, we're, we're going to go with the guys we've got." I, I'm not opposed to that because I, I've, I've never been a believer that Sam Ellinger gives them any more of a chance. And I, I think I've seen enough of Ellinger in in training camp and what we've seen that maybe he's a decent backup. But the left tackle is different. I, I just I, right now it's crippling the it's one of the things crippling the off, offense, and and I just don't know how long I don't know how long you can go with that. Yeah, that that remains to be seen. But you mentioning Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons was cruel because now I'm going to be thinking about him uh, all week. You know, I'm, we didn't I'm, have I'm, to I'm, talk I'm, about that till Thursday. I'm going to be looking up what's the most sacks given up to a player by the Colts, and you know we'll see where it is. Yeah, well, if they're not careful, Ellinger's going to be back in there uh, out of necessity because Matt Ryan's going to get his shoulder taken off again. Uh, this was kind of a two-for-run takeaway. I had turnovers, two more turnovers for the Colts on Monday. The fumble on the handoff to Taylor was an absolute backbreaker. Colts now tied for the NFL lead with 21 turnovers. And, Mike, when you give up that many sacks and you have that many turnovers – it's hard to score points. The Colts average is 15.8 points per game. Only the Denver Broncos are averaging fewer points than the Colts. They have 28 fumbles and 18 touchdowns. That's ridiculous. I mean, 28 fumbles and they've lost 10. Think of how much worse it could be if they're not covering the fumbles. And Again, they're, I think they're a minus, they're, are they a minus 18 or a minus 19, whatever it is now? I've not seen the updated stats after last night. And under Frank Reich, they were always plus. They were always really, really good at ball security. And this, this year has just been awful. Fortunately, last night, the turnovers didn't lead to points. But the one certainly kept you from points. So it's sort of the same difference. And we're going to look back at the end of the season, and it's not going to be – we're not going to need to go to these analytics and football geniuses to say what went wrong. There's going to be like five points that we can point to of what went wrong. You know, you're tied for the league – you've got the league lead in sacks. You're tied for the league lead in turnovers. So it's it's not complicated – and it's all going to default back to the offensive line and the quarterback, and that's going to be that's going to be in their tombstone. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the you know turnovers, the Colts are minus ten currently, which is the second last in the NFL. Um, kind of brings me to my final takeaway here: this defense can't win games by themselves. After giving up sixteen in the first half. Indy clamped down and gave up just eight points in the second half. They held Pittsburgh to 4.8 yards per play, which is good. But the lack of splash plays is the difference between a good defense and a great defense. Zero takeaways 
on Monday against a rookie quarterback against a bottom-ranked offense. The Colts' 11 takeaways on the season are tied for the fifth-fewest and we're kind of at a point now if the defense isn't going to do it themselves and make splash plays with takeaways to either give the offense a short field or you know a pick six a a scoop fumble run it in themselves the offense just clearly is not going to do enough to win the game that's why I said early in in the broadcast how I really want to give the defense props it's played really well all year and then again it's 17 to 16 and you know you're saying one more time do it again, and they give up 17 plays and, and 75 yards, a couple of key third downs. So it, it the problem is they're asking the defense to do too much. It, it, they just are. But there are times the defense has to do more. And like you said, the lack of the splash plays is really crippling because it's just hard. It's just hard to, to, to let a team dink and dunk you. There were a couple of shots by Pickens, but primarily by Pickett, but primarily, he was going underneath, and boy, Kenny Moore got schooled by the tight end a couple of times, and that hurts. That that just hurts. So there are a couple of times, as much as people have kind of gotten on Brandon Fashon, uh, there are a couple of receptions to Pickens, and I tell you, I thought Fashon had pretty good coverage on him. So it, it's just, yes, they played well, the defense, after that awful start. They just need to do more. Yeah, I mean, that, that one catch by Pickens was just ridiculous. You can't blame Faison for that. And, uh, by the way, Pickens, someone the Colts had a chance to draft in the second round. Instead, they traded back and took Pierce. Time will tell if that uh, turns out to be a fatal mistake. If Pierce or Pickens ends up being the better wide receiver, maybe they'll both end up being good. But um, just something to think about as we move forward. And everyone's job is being evaluated during a season like this. Injuries now. Mike Kenny Moore injured uh, during a fourth quarter collision with Zaire Franklin. Boy, Zaire with the friendly fire. First early in the season, he took out uh, uh, Shaq Leonard and now Kenny Moore. Uh, do we have an update on Kenny? Do we know how serious his injury is or what it even is? They, they said it was a shin. I think it got kicked, uh, a leg whip or whatever, by, by Zaire. So. That's the only one. Ryan Kelly went in the tent with a knee, and he came and he came back out and played pretty well. I thought they did a good job on Hayward inside. So I thought, by and large, the offensive line played pretty good against a strong, strong defensive front, except for the four or five plays where they didn't. But now, injury-wise, uh, hopefully there's a there's probably a decent chance they get Quiddy payback this week. Because remember, he wasn't ruled out. Despite, despite not practicing last week, he was listed questionable, and then it, it didn't happen. So maybe this week he's got a chance to play, which would be a big help. Yeah, that's good to hear. Follow us on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone, throughout the week. We'll keep you updated on all the injury news as we get updates from the team. Um, follow Mike on Twitter, at mchapel 51 uh, where you'll get all his great stories through the week and any kind of news or, uh, or notes that he has Um, as we continue to cover this team. Need new windows? Let the hometown team help. Hometown Windows and Doors is Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer with master installers. From design to installation, we handle it all, carrying nationally known brands like Anderson with more options and competitive pricing. Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer. 
national brand, hometown feel. Let's look at this AFC playoff picture. The Colts technically still not out of it, although the division appears to be tough to catch. The Titans are 7-4 and four after a loss to the Bengals. And Tennessee has a tiebreaker over the Colts because they have beat them twice. The Colts are 10th in the NFL. AFC, 10th in the AFC. Wild card spots, we're looking at the fifth seed where the Buffalo Bills currently are. They are 8-3. and three. That's, that's uh, good luck with that one. A sixth seed, Cincinnati is 7-4. and four. And even the seventh seed, the New York Jets are 7-4. and four. Also fighting for wild card spots are the 6-5 and five Patriots who have a tiebreaker over the Colts from their Week 9 win. And then the 6-5 and five Chargers who the Colts will host on Week 17 Monday Night Football. So, uh, Mike, we thought I think we put the Colts' chances at the playoffs at about 10% last week, uh, looking even slimmer after that loss on Monday. You just put that in that section in there because you have to, and they're not eliminated. Uh, so we'll, we'll give you that. I laughed last night when on TV ESPN put that the EFC playoff picture. And they put in the hunt, in the Colts for in the hunt at four six and one. I, I guess you have to do that. They're hunting. I'm not sure if they're going to eat, but yeah, <laughs> they need a, they need a new guide. So it's it's. I tried to fight this thing about how, how you're looking more towards the draft and the playoffs, but that's where they are. That that's who this team is, and right now you're you're going to be looking how how much more can they improve their draft positioning over the last month of the season. Yeah, it's going to be real conflicting on the following Sundays and Mondays because I even went into Monday's game going, well, you know, for the long term, it's probably better that they lose this, especially with Pittsburgh at uh, a three-win team. If they beat the Colts, that might be a tiebreaker for a draft spot or something like that. Uh, but during the game, of course, I was rooting for the horseshoe. I, I couldn't help uh, but but uh, root on Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor to go win the game. So going to be a difficult year to finish out. Uh, let's look at this draft order here. Despite the loss, the Colts would still have the 14th overall pick if the season ended today, but that could very well change. The Colts are one of 10 four-win teams. That tie that they have from week one uh, makes them the highest-ranked four-win team. So that tie is really um, having an impact somehow. I don't know how the math is done on this, but it has an impact on their winning percentage. I think the tie counts as half a win, and so that's why they're above all the other four-win teams. You know, in in my mind, it also counts as half a loss, but I I don't make the rules on this. Uh, The four and eight Carolina Panthers are the lowest-ranked four-win team, and they have the fifth overall pick. Picks two through four are all three-win teams. So that just kind of shows over the next several weeks here. The Colts are currently 14th. They could end up with a top five, a top ten pick pretty easily, especially if some of these other teams keep winning. Carolina has looked a lot better after they fired Matt Rule. Um, um, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, Kenny Pickett getting more and more experience. They might go on a little run to kind of take themselves out of it here. So we'll see the Raiders won on Sunday. They beat the Seahawks so we'll, we'll just have to see as the season goes along because this remaining schedule for Indianapolis is not easy uh, we've already mentioned they have at Dallas Sunday night then they get their bye week then at Minnesota one of the top teams in the NFC Monday night they're hosting 
the Chargers after that, and the Chargers are starting to get healthy. They got Keenan Allen back finally. Uh, Mike Williams might be back from his ankle by then, so they looked pretty good in a win over the Cardinals on Sunday. Uh, the Giants on New Year's Day, and then the Houston Texans, that's how they started the season, and that's how they'll end it against the Texans. Um, that might be a game that nobody wants to win as draft position, uh, I'm sure, will be the most impactful thing to come out of that game. Uh, possibly, I mean, the Texans might just lose enough that it won't matter if they win or lose, and they might go out there and really try and win it, Mike. Yeah, the the problem is, and we're now in the in the draft positioning phase. We just are. The problem is that they've won just enough games, probably, that it's not going to matter. You're going to, you know, you probably looked at this more than I have, but top five, top six, maybe is is, is their ceiling if that's the right word. And they need a quarterback in the top five teams either need a quarterback, Houston, Carolina, whomever, or they will trade out for a team that needs a quarterback. So, you know, maybe if there's a team at three that doesn't need a quarterback, then maybe you're going to force the Colts to move up to three. So I've just kind of looked at this without doing too much, you know, looking into it, research into it, that that they're going to come away with with the at best – the third best quarterback in the draft by however people rank these guys. And, 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 and if you win another game or two, you're going to have the, maybe the fourth best. So the, as we've said, the NFL does not reward bad teams. It rewards really bad teams. So it's really been going to be curious how, how this team finishes, where they finish in the, in the draft order. And how realistic it's going to be to move up to two or three to get that quarterback if you believe that that quarterback is there. Yeah, I think their ability to move up will depend on how they finish. They're probably – I don't know. I mean, Well, they they can move up. What it's going to depend on is how much you have to give up. Exactly. So if if the Colts are – you know, obviously if they're sitting at six, it's a lot easier to move up to three than if they're down at 12, 14, whatever it might be. Instead of easier – Less expensive. There we go. Less expensive. Right. Well, and also, you know, there's going to be other teams vying for it too. So at exactly. a certain point, you're limited by your draft capital. Um, and, 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 but but one thing that Joel Erickson of the Star always says, and he's right, if that guy, if you believe that guy's there, it doesn't matter what the cost is. You go and get it. Absolutely. And we've seen that work out for teams who bet right on quarterbacks. I think every week I, I now mention that Patrick Mahomes was taken with the 10th pick. Um, so the, the, just because the Colts don't have a first or second overall pick does not mean uh, they're not going to be able to get their quarterback this coming draft. We have plenty of time to dive into this uh, in the coming months. And uh, like I said, there's going to be a lot of movement in this draft order as we go through this season because there's a bunch of teams bunched up with four wins, several teams with three wins, only the Texans. Uh, they're the only team with less than three wins in the NFL. So uh, they're they're probably just looking at whoever they want with that first overall pick. The Bears are currently second. They could trade up with the Bears, uh, who have Justin Fields. The, the Eagles are currently sixth. Uh, they have New Orleans pick. 
Um, they're not looking for a quarterback with Justin Hurts playing the way he is. Yeah, Nick, Nick, Nick Sirianni might not want to trade with the Colts after the way they treated his buddy. <laughs> well, it depends on who will be doing the trading because there's no uh, – but but regardless, the guy who made that decision, Jim Irsay, is, is still going to be here. So, yeah, you're, you're right about that. But um, thank you so much for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Please subscribe and download for us and join us on Thursday when Dave joins the crew and we're going to see how how the Colts can beat Dallas and pull off a surprise upset on Sunday night football. So thanks again for listening and until next time, take it easy Colts fans.